Welcome to Media Path. I am Louise Palenker. And I'm Fritz Coleman. Our show is here to help you wade through a sea of media and come out the other side with treasures to enjoy rather than a mouthful of water. Joining us right here in the studio is our new best friend, Annie Corzin, who is an actor, writer, humorist, storyteller, influencer. Annie is a TikTok sensation, and her newest book is called The Book of Annie. It's full of wit and wisdom and some mild kvetching if you're sensitive to that sort of thing. So be advised, it is a unique delight but first fritz what have you brought to this i'm so looking forward to talking to annie yeah well i'm going to talk about a podcast i've never done that on the show before you know because we don't need the competition but sure sure this one is very entertaining it's smartless it's jason bateman will arnett and sean hayes and their mission is to unite people from all walks of life to learn about shared experiences through thoughtful dialogue and organic hilarity This is three of the most naturally funny humans you will ever spend time with. I'd never listened to the podcast before until I watched a documentary on Max about the guys taking the show on the road. It's called Smartless on the Road. Six episodes, six different cities, New York, Boston, Milwaukee, Washington, D.C., Los Angeles. The focal point of each episode is them doing the podcast in front of huge audiences. They pack these iconic venues all over On each episode, one guy gets to bring out a surprise guest. The others try to guess who it is before they appear. They had guests like Letterman and Kevin Hart, Conan O'Brien, Andy Richter, Mark Cuban. They even had a not particularly famous genius from MIT when they were in Boston. But honestly, the most entertaining part of this documentary is just watching these guys traveling, ordering food, going to the bathroom, revealing interesting below-the-line things about themselves. Amazing honesty. And as you watch, you'll learn that each guy sort of has a role. Bateman is the intellect, overthinking everything, but he's hands down, honestly, the funniest guy you'll ever listen to. Will Arnett is so fast and so funny. He's sort of the everyman. Sean Hayes is the best audience who laughs at everything. And we meet Sean's husband, and we learn about his really dark childhood, and we meet his sister when we get to Milwaukee, and his frankness about being gay. You're a fly in the wall from some very real unguarded conversations, which at the very least are hilarious. And at the most, three people being really honest and unguarded in the presence of a camera. It's called Smartless. The podcast is on all platforms. Smartless on the Road is streaming on Max. What I loved is that if if women want to know what male friendships look like, this is it. There's a lot of scatological. There's just a lot of, like, they. there's more rough housing than women when we get together. Yeah. And, and my favorite moment is when uh, they're having, like, a frank conversation and they, they say, ask Sean, like, when he knew he was gay. And he's like, the Hogan family, which is hilarious <laughs> because Jason Bateman was a teenager in the show that was first called Valerie because it was Valerie Harper. And then due to some contract disputes, it was called Valerie's family. And then to an unresolved contract dispute it was called the hogan family but jason bateman oh is, my god yeah. i didn't even get that joke and now it's hysterical oh my god so cute but is jason bateman not hysterical he's so fast he's, he's wonderful just yeah. wonderful and i love it they're warm and and yeah, yeah it's just very real, very I, I, real. I loved it I, I loved it yeah and that and will ferrell comes out as mark twain oh, i mean it's like it's like you just can't with stop. his pants like a foot too long <laughs> know, right uh, all right, so Fris, uh, here's what I've got. Let's see. Well, let me get to the beginning of my read here. Have you watched Science Fair on Hulu? I haven't, but I'm so stoked about 
watching it because you've you've really been excited about it. Yeah, I'm so excited about this. Um, kids compete in multitudes of arenas, from sports to chess to spelling to singing to baking to raising hogs, and all of these pursuits truly matter. But at the International Science and Engineering Fair, kids are solving world problems. At this event, you don't get to say to your child, come on now, honey, it's not rocket science, because, you know, it may be rocket science. The award-winning 2018 film Science Fair has inspired a series by the same name. Both can be enjoyed on National Geographic and Hulu and Disney Plus, and they profile kids from around the world, pouring their intelligence, effort, ingenuity, and very souls into a science project that could, yes, win a prize, but also positively innovate and improve our planet. Kids are working on fighting cancer cells, understanding suicidal tendencies, creating a sustainable electric motor, and harnessing new forms of plant energy. It's astounding to watch. And also, what you get to experience through these kids is the joy of creation because their raw teen emotions are still unfiltered, and their passion for science and discovery is raw, enormous, and beautiful. It's also quite moving and inspiring to see kids from all over the world, even in the most impoverished of places, with ideas and insights and incredible work ethics, applying themselves so so meaningfully to their projects and dreaming so big about their futures and the potential to make positive change in the world. I absolutely love seeing science celebrated so jubilantly in the film and series when honestly on high school campuses it still enjoys no cheer squad. For example, in the film, Kashfia Rahman is a child of Bangladeshi immigrants in South Dakota. Her school is very sports focused, featuring many gyms, and many teams and zero science labs. In order to compete in the science fair, she needs a faculty sponsor and finds one in the football coach who is fully supportive of her efforts but cannot quite articulate her project. She examined the neuroscientific and psychological processes underlying dangerous teen behaviors and studied how the environment plays a role in emotion processing and cognitive functioning in teens. And I hear you, coach, I was reading that. She won first place in her category and received no recognition for this astounding achievement back at her high school. Kashfia is now an undergraduate student and psychology researcher at Harvard University. It should be noted that many patents emerge from ICEF every year. And whether a child makes it to ICEF or wins any prizes, just competing in science fairs teaches work ethic, follow through, public speaking, workflow organization, and so many other important lessons in leadership, collaboration, and perseverance. What I would like to say, Fritz and Annie, to those who are concerned about poisoning our American bloodstream with folks from largely brown and black countries is this. The person who could save your life may be currently applying for asylum at our border. Science Fair, the film and series are on Disney Plus, Hulu, and National Ge- Geographic. Highly recommended. Get to work, kids. You have to save us from ourselves. Yeah, and they, sh- they shouldn't have to, but, you know, they will. My kids uh, were not involved in Science Fair directly. The best science they ever did was figuring out how to make a bong out of an empty Coke can. Okay. Ingenuity. And that was the end of it. <laughs> so we're going to meet this fabulous, yeah. talented lady. Would you like to meet our guest? She's mm-hmm. been patiently, she's been patiently listening to our recommendations and taking notes. Okay, so uh, Annie Corzin is an American actress, comedian, and writer, and social media starlet. Annie played Doris Clumpus on Seinfeld. She's been on Pen Fifteen, L.A. Law, Coach, Mad About You, Hannah Montana, Jane the Virgin, and so many other shows where you're going to recognize her. And now she is an author and a TikTok influencer welcome annie (laughs) so now that you finally have some influence in the world what would you like to influence us to know and or do uh how would i like to influence you sure well 
You know, I think one of the themes of my book, in a way, is to open yourself up to everything. You don't know what you do is going to lead you to. So I have a kind of a mantra. It's called, yeah, why not? (laughs) (laughs) Now, within reason, don't ask me to go bungee jumping. Okay. Because I'm not going to say, but I think... A lot of times we tend to say no to things because we're unsure, we haven't done them, we haven't tried them, meh, 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 it doesn't sound. And I'm saying try to override those feelings and take a chance and try something that you haven't done before. You never know where it's going to lead you to. You're so inspirational to people my age, right? 70s. Because you have not been afraid to master this dark new technology social media, TikTok, instead of being intimidated by it, you have seized it and learned it and mastered it. And it really is quite impressive. You're you have lying. like 250,000 TikTok oh, followers. Oh, no, I have much more than that. Okay, I have I'm over 400,000. Well, see, that's what I mean. <laughs> right. she's, but she's working on a million. the fact is, I'm going to tell you a dirty secret here. Mm-hmm. I understand nothing about it. But you weren't afraid to have somebody guide you to it. That's true. That's what. That was my big yeah, why not moment. A young person said to me, I, I've always loved storytelling. And I do storytelling. I'm with the moth that I do. And in L.A., there's story. There's a storytelling show every night of the week. And generally, you're lucky if there are 40 people in the audience. Mm-hmm. And I said to a very young friend, I wish I could find a larger audience. I think I have something to say. I'm thinking of maybe putting some little clips up on Instagram. And she, being 30, said, Instagram. Never. It's so toxic. It's so last century. You belong on TikTok. I said, that's ridiculous. Who wants to see me on TikTok? And she said, trust me, you will go Is that viral. Mackenzie Morrison? That's it. Right. Okay. Right. So, so is she the person filming you? She was. I mean, we're still very good friends, but she's professionally is doing other things. She's gone back to school, mm. but she set this all up mm-hmm. and she made me do it. And I just said, OK, yeah, why not? I'll so try what it. was your first TikTok and how well did that do? That's a good question. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. But they started doing okay. Mm-hmm. And then I had one that got billions that I still don't understand. It. It's the Krispy Kreme one. And like we were do, talking, do that one. you do, just, do you do just never know. I, just, I was just talking about donuts. People put a whole other meaning to it. But I just, go to, I just said to Mackenzie, and she answered me. I said, have you ever been to Krispy Kreme? Krispy Kreme, have you ever had a Krispy Kreme? She said, yeah. And I go, well, was it crispy? She says, no. And I go, right, right. And I was going to go on, and Mackenzie went, cut. No, that's 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 the the secret to TikTok. And that has had billions of views. I don't know why. A lot of people think it's a woman trying to make small talk in an awkward situation. No, I think it's like, I think it's more of a George Carlin-y, Observation. observation that everyone else has had because you said the other one that was viral that you weren't expecting was the one where you talk about how movies are an hour longer than they need to be oh, it just brilliant. it just resonated because we've mm-hmm. all brought like mm-hmm. a packed lunch to a movie and still been hungry when we came out mm-hmm. <laughs> you know because now they just they're making them the size of mini series but they expect you to go to the theater and Do sit that, there through an entire that's so funny i just heard i don't i forget what the i just heard that there's an app you go online and it tells you when to use the restroom in each movie. Oh, it so tells funny. you which scene because they don't have intermissions like like civilized. And you can't press pause in you a know, movie theater. Right? right? So there's an app that tells you when to pee in each movie. 
<laughs> I don't so, need somebody to tell me when to pee. My body tells me when to pee. So the Krispy Kreme, <laughs> but you don't want to go in the, in the it doesn't crucial matter. scene. When you get to be right, my right. age, you know, the, the pee dictates the length of the movie. So well, when, what, so what are some of your big hits on TikTok? So what Krispy the, Kreme was a big hit. Uh, they're all surprising. They're all unexpected. You never know what's going to resonate. I did something about um, having a black grandson and about our relationship and about how people see us in the street and we get a second look. And it's not necessarily an evil look. It's just that they're trying to put it together. Mm-hmm. Why are the two of us together? Because you're too old to be his mom and they're trying to figure out the relationship. Yeah. They say, what is this old white Jewish lady doing with a beautiful little black child? And it, 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 and it's unconscious, but I can feel it. Mm-hmm. I can fe- and, and my point was that to them, we look mismatched. But my point is, he has my humor, he has my love for music, he has my weird imagi- imagination. We are matched in every possible way. Well, that's society's way. problem, not your problem. That's let, let them figure that everything out. Screw them. Everything is society's yeah. problem. You are isn't so it? funny. Your book is full of really intelligent, wonderful witticisms. My favorite joke of yours, and this is not verbatim because I, I didn't memorize it, was you could tell Shakespeare was not a Jew because no Jew would write a play called All's Well That Ends Well. <laughs> That's so true. Oh, oh man. I, I want to say something funny about that. What's that? <clears throat> once, once in my TikTok history, TikTok took me off of being offensive. Yeah, that was you were, you were, it was a Isn't sex conversation. Isn't that weird? Like, it happens to every TikToker. Really? We, we don't know what, what their said. barometer is, and they have a weird barometer. Like, but you can't I, even say the word sex. But They'll mute I you. I know, it's yeah. odd. That's because it's a Chinese algorithm, and they I just... I don't know. But here's what I said. Here's what they thought was offensive. I was talking about Tennessee Williams, how he was not Jewish, but he was gay, which is almost the same thing. And I just <laughs> made... I was talking about the relationship between Jews and gays. Sure. Being outsiders, using humor, using blah, blah, blah. And then I said, there's an old showbiz joke. Uh, what do you get if you lock a Jew and a homosexual in a closet? And the answer is a Broadway musical. Oh. <laughs> Took me down for that. Really? Took me off. Because you gave away the formula. Oh, <laughs> it's top secret. I don't know what it was. But we... Um, we went back and we protested and they put us right back on. Well, good for you. So there's a place that you can contact. And... We didn't know it. There is, you know, you, you don't talk to a human. This is all done by robots. Yeah, because our kind. friend John Maddox, who mixes this show, he's a he's a viral TikToker, too. Who do, his TikTok is about music production and sound production. And they've taken him down for... Why? I don't remember the specific reasons, but none of them made any sense to us. You know, because they the Chinese have their own... Like, do you know Dina? You could speak to this. She she knows better than I do. But it's they have their own. Which was the one that I had up that they muted was about boys. Oh, yeah, because um, you were talking about it was like something about boys, like school boys. Who I forgot who we interviewed. Go on, I'll look it up. Oh, so you talked about moth. Have you been on the moth radio hour on NPR? I've been on the moth radio hour. I, I think that's just wonderful and storytelling is different than stand-up, but it's a lost art. It used to be something that people gathered around to hear stories, and I love that. And uh, and there's one place Largo does the 
uncomedy thing where oh. they want you to be funny, but they don't want you to tell jokes. Exactly. They don't want to do set up punchline. Have you ever done that? I haven't done Largo, but I've done a lot of the, the, the big one in LA used to be a place called Sit and Spin. That's mm-hmm. what a lot of TV writers uh, mm-hmm. did. And now it's a place called Tell It. It's in a theater where where there's a concert of storytellers. And the storytelling community is a wonderful one. It's very supportive. But performing with a moth, I just did it. I just came back from Portland. 2,700 people. That's great. Sold out as soon as the show was announced. It's a wonderful people theater of the mind. People have a need for stories. And what was the story you told? My story is, another version of it is in the book. It was about... Um, uh, my postpartum depression when I was, I spent the first four months of my child's life in various mental institutions, and it's a laugh riot. In, in Denmark. In Denmark was, and then in New York. That was harrowing because you tell it with humor, but in like a Frank McCourt kind of, this is actually quite tragic way. It is tragic, and what's tragic is it's still happening. Nobody under because it's a women's disease. Sorry for no, a moment no. of angry. I have feminism. postpartum depression after a good bowel movement. <laughs> But uh, because it, and other things, because it's a women's condition, not that much work has gone into it. Not that much study has gone into it. Sure, but it's but it, on two on two fronts, the babies and and yours, because the baby is mi- missing their mother during this period, and then yeah, you have no, to get it's, well. It's terribly tragic. But I only like to tell stories with happy endings. Sure. And the fact is, I am the world's greatest mother. Oh, and I yeah. have the world's greatest relationship with my son mm. even though i wasn't there for that first period and even though i didn't breastfeed him even though it's actually one of the themes of my book that there's more than one way to do things right oh. and the rules you don't have to be a slave to the rules you don't have to have natural childbirth you don't have to breastfeed there are all kinds of ways to starting life with an infant and there are all kinds of ways to ending up being a great mother and your book can i and i I, I just want to say this, if you're thinking of picking up this book, this book is so well written. It's hilarious, and it's full of wisdom. This is a David Sedaris that we have here. She is excellent. This writing is just extraordinary. This book is really, really good. You'll be so happy you picked it up because you will laugh and you will learn something. And it also, it it kind of frees people. Like what you're doing is giving everyone a hug and saying, it's okay, do you. And we need more of that. I hope you're right about that. I'd like to give people permission to be themselves. I want to tell you something. I have all of my life um, been criticized and I have apologized for being too talkative being too opinionated, being too abrupt about my opinions. I've been told it was not an attractive quality. These were not attractive qualities in a woman. And I've always apologized. I try to tone myself down and I try to do what you're supposed to do. And now I just turned 85 and I am being celebrated for those same quality. Absolutely. Wow. So I think that people You just have should... to do it creatively. You have to be entertaining while you do it. I think that helps. I think if you uh, that you have to be yourself, your but your best and and loving self, but you can't be imprisoned by other people's opinions of you. But somehow that's, if that's you... the message I'm trying mm-hmm. to get. And out. I 
somehow I think from the way that society looks at women, if you go into the arts, you're kind of like given a pass. Like, oh, she's Kitty Carlisle or whatever. You know, she's charming, uh, you know, on the set of What's My Line or, you know, what have you in the 50s or 60s. But if that person was that way on the home front or at the school, you know, at the PTA meeting or the dinner party or the dinner party, she's too she's a little too much, you know. So finally, I think we're coming to a place where hopefully women can be themselves whatever walk of life they select. Do you think that's true? I don't know. Is it improving? Is it, Dina? Um, well, I just want to, if I may, Yeah. I just want to say something to Annie that um, what you were just speaking about, your that you described so beautifully and hilariously in your book about um, your experience with childbirth and postpartum depression, I found that incredibly, I had like almost like the exact same experience. Whoa. I found it very very relatable and at the end of that chapter you ended up just getting like a like the the government sent you a nanny that the was hospital mount sinai hospital new york when i left they sent me a home helper for two weeks yeah and yeah. you said so i didn't need a mental institution all i needed was some help and That's i was like it. oh my god like yeah. Exactly. Amen. Like that was so i found that so incredibly relatable and you know it's like how and the fact that, you know, you have to, that you're not able to find anyone talking about these things is just mind-blowing. Brooke Shields wrote a book about postpartum depression that was very she well had received. It, right. And I yeah. remember there was a big scandal, wasn't there, where Tom Cruise said something uh, about it doesn't exist or, well, and, and they got, mm -hmm, yeah. they, they, it was a big ugly. He has a mechanical brain from another planet. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. But I mean, that, that's the source of the problem in the first place is that that reaction was in place before she wrote her book. And she knew she would get that pushback. She knew it was coming from yes, Mission Impossible Yes, but you're right. Man, I forgot about that. She, she was a big spokes, spokesperson for that. Good for her. So your storytelling ability is well honed because you do uh, classes in one person speaking things. You call it... Uh, owning your personal yeah life. telling the crafting the personal lesson. crafting the yeah. personal story and also you've done one person shows and so that's all about storytelling i only have as a writer i've tried other things i wrote a half a screenplay but but basically <laughs> i've limited myself to the only subject that i'm really passionate about which is me because i but i figure if i can explore me in uh in deep and humorous and compassionate ways other people might my hope is of course relate that to it that's the whole point yeah, absolutely mm -hmm. so if i talk about my problems people will say oh yeah like dina just did i had that that resonated with mm -hmm. me and i think there are a lot of things that we don't talk about that are not considered polite conversation or well one of the things i talk about first of all is thrifting i'm mm. not cheap but I was brought up poor, and my husband and I have not managed money very well. And so I'm always looking for ways to save money. Where were you I, born and raised before we got I grew up in the Bronx, New okay. York, which I hated. Mm -hmm. And I always knew I hated it, and I always knew I didn't belong there. Mm -hmm. uh, <clears throat> but then when we got married, we lived on the Upper West Side. I brought my son up on the Upper West Side of Manhattan, which I loved, and I definitely did belong there. Mm -hmm. 
L.A. is another story. I, I like my life here. I don't quite understand. I've never understood L.A. as a city, as a place. I don't get it. You came out here for the business. Your husband was and is a movie producer, right? He's in the film business. and uh, So you came out here for work? Is- yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because I had a dream of being, of being a... Um, a sitcom person, a sitcom actor. Mm-hmm. And I've gotten work, but it's never never major. I've never had a major career, but I'm known in the business. What I'm known as, producers will call my agent and they'll say, is Andy available next week? Because they know I can get a laugh on one line mm-hmm. and that I have no self-respect. I'll take the smallest, <laughs> you know, I won't... <laughs> I won't say, no, I need more than that. If it's a job, I'll do it. I'll go in, I'll do the job, I'll get my laugh. And I, I, I've never had great... How shall I say? Pretentious to being. Where did this come from? Where did this humor and this glow that you have and the personality? What was what was it like in the Bronx? Who were you your know, parents? They say there's a there's a saying. I don't know if you've ever heard it. That um, uh, com- what are the comedians? I'm not a comedian. I'm a humorist. But basically, they say uh, being a comedian is a way of turning your pain into money. Mm-hmm. And I think all comedy comes from pain. Mm-hmm. I really do. Mm-hmm. But of, of, it's a way of self-medicating. So something can happen. That's very interesting observation. Don't, do you think that that's true? Yes, people, people say, well, what is it about uh, you know, trying to go up there and impress 100 drunk strangers at 1 o'clock in the morning? <laughs> because you're seeking the acceptance of strangers. But it is, when it's working, it's, it's, it, it, it's in, endorphin junkie inducing. You Absolutely. Know? You want to get that love. Mm-hmm. And I like being the center of attention. I like, you know, they have this thing about celebrities. You shouldn't talk to them. You shouldn't. I... I'm just the opposite. I'll be in a restaurant and I see a table looking at me so I know that they know who I am. And I'll go, I'll wave to them. I'll say, yes, it's me. Come on over. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. (laughs) Because I'm a whore. I'm a total attention whore. And also what, what pleases me is that my audience now is not the audience, again, the rules. It's not the audience I was trained to believe. I was trained to believe as a performer. My audience was exclusively people like myself, older, educated, urban women, mostly Jewish. That was my target audience. My audience is not that at all. They're young. They're diverse. The best comment I ever got was a kid wrote in, uh, I don't know why I relate so closely to a Jewish American woman in her 80s. I am a 16-year-old Afghan boy. And that's but you're everybody's grandmother, and I think that's what makes you day. so funny. I love that. Yes, it was. It's wonderful. I was going to ask you, what is your demographic? It has to be. You must have a lot of young people because it's a, a lot of young people, mm-hmm. and most of them that stop me, they're in their twenties. And I think there's something new happening in our society. Finally, I think there's a new respect for the wisdom of older women. Because I see it, I see it in movies. There's a whole big, now a big, I, I think Betty White had something to do mm-hmm. with that. Oh, I really yeah. do. Okay. Um, but there's a, there's a, the Golden Girls became a big thing again. Mm-hmm. And there are these movies, there are the, they're even in fashion. There are expressions now, coastal grandma, retired art teacher. These are fashion looks. When has grandma, grandmother ever mm-hmm. been in a fashion thing? So I don't think it's just me. I think there is a movement now, which I've been very lucky, the timing has been right, that people want to hear. And a lot of the comments I guess I get are, what would you suggest? Or do that thing called cameo, you know, where people mm-hmm. hire me. Mm-hmm. And they'll say, 
give my 20-year-old a pep talk. Oh. Give my, my daughter's about to get married, give her some words of encouragement wow. so that people are finally seeing the wisdom that I've always known I've had, but now they're well, asking It's very familial. You, you have a grandmotherly quality about yourself, and everybody sees you as kind of that person. It's interesting, because I never had a grandmother. Well, I never had any grandparents. You know, you reparent and re-grandparent yourself. Exactly. You know, when you give it away, you're giving it to yourself. You're, you're soothing yourself. Say that again. I like when that. When you give it away, anything you need, give it away. That's why I'm saying if you need a friend, be a friend. Anything That's you so need. true. If you it need is love, so true. give love. I love that. And I think since all of the wisdom of the world is now available to us, without having to go to the library and order a book that comes three months later when you no longer remember mm. why you ordered the book. But everything is available to us. And that's why you see you know, young people responding to Bernie Sanders or somebody from a different generation. Right. It's, it's about what he has to offer. Uh, and so it's, and it's available. And that's why I, I, I think that you know, everyone on TikTok who watches maybe some dance, who watches some dance videos and they come upon you, they're like, <clears throat> oh, this is the grandmother I wish I had. Or mm -hmm. A lot of them say that. I wish you were, but also a lot of them uh, talk about love and dating and what my feelings are about that. Wait, and, Garrett, Garrett uh, has a, a question for you. Garrett, go around to where the mic is. Because he Garrett is 16, he walked into the room and recognized you from TikTok. Oh, really? Yeah, I know his face. He doesn't oh, have to talk kidding. to me. Yeah, is, is that, are you the Krispy Kreme? <laughs> yeah, the, the Krispy Kreme. Oh, lady. that's, that's great. Call me, the Krispy My Kreme. friend sent it to me, and we've, we've been quoting it for the past year. <laughs> you see, isn't that weird? This is a great focus group. That's the man right there. Yep. <laughs> and the irony of that is you have, you teach, you give talks to people, and you have one called Bridging the Gap, How I Stopped Hating Young People. That's right. <laughs> because I did hate young people, because when you're old, they do, they, they treat you like shit. I, I could be in a restaurant with my husband, right? <clears throat> And there's the waiter, the unemployed actor, and he says to my husband, and sir, what would you like for a cocktail? And then he'll turn to me and he'll go, and how about you, young lady? And I want to slap him. Why is it sir and young lady? Right? I think he's trying to hit on you. <laughs> I don't yeah, think so. uh, yeah. And he means well, poor kid, so I can't be angry. He thinks he's being... He thinks he's chivalrous, being yeah. kind and chivalrous, but it's not sir and young lady, it's sir and ma'am or sir and miss or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, but, and things like that, or when people, and I'll do something that I think is quite bright, and it's like, oh, that's so cute, oh, she's so cute. I'm not cute. Cute as a baby, cute as a dog, you know? I'm a grown woman with wisdom, with life wisdom, and I want to be treated with I that I think you're right. I think people are becoming aware of that now. I really I do. I think they are. It's not uh, politically correct to accept those ty types of interaction that you're talking about. I think you're right. All right, let's talk about some real world issues. In your book, you say... Gaza. People... <laughs> <laughs> not. <laughs> In your book, you say... People who live in beige houses have beige brains. And I would like to add this question. Why do we travel and take photos of the lovely multicolored houses that decorate a hillside or a cityscape, and then we return home and paint our American home beige? What is wrong with us? I don't know what that is. Uh, I think there's a fear. It's changing. I just read, you know, for a long time now in, in um, architecture and and home decor, 
for a couple of decades, decades now, the mantra has been minimalism, simplicity, the mid-century thing. Now, I'm married to a Dane. Mm. I got married mid-century. So when I look at a mid-century house, I'm seeing my mother-in-law's house. Who wants to, who wants to live like your house is spectacular? Because in one of your TikToks, you give a tour. You've got beautiful blankets all and colors pictures. And, it's really and details, beautiful. And I don't know why people are afraid of color. You could, you could do Americans that as a are afraid living. of color. You know what, Fritz? I think they're afraid of offending their neighbors. So. I, my neighbors are never coming in my house. So I, I insist on a color. My house is yellow, so that's like the the least offensive, you know, kind of like least bold. But it's a, it has to be a color. I don't want blah. I call the other colors blah. Our yeah. cars are blah. Our right. cars are basically the color of the road. I see. Which I have isn't a red even car. Safe. I it's have a red car. Safe. That's all I know about cars. But when they say to me, "What car and car do you want?" I say red. <laughs> it should be a color. It shouldn't blend into the pavement. That's also, dangerous. I can find it in the parking lot easier. Yeah. But you have great decorative skills. I'm surprised that people would see that TikTok of you giving a tour of your house. Don't say, come over and help me fix my life. No, they don't. But I'll tell you something interesting that's happened because of it. Uh, Benny is in the film business. He's also a painter. He's painted all of his life. He just paints because he wants to paint. So those paintings on the wall in your so TikTok those are, are his work. mostly Benny's. Oh. And uh, funnily enough, uh, sometimes uh, a, a fan has written in and said, we'd like to purchase one of those paintings. How can we do that? And we've Very we've cool. sold painting. We, that was never an intention, but... I'll sell anything. My whole house is for sale. Yeah, you What's want What's Benny's it? website? Because he's a very accomplished it's artist. It's BennyCorzenArt.com. Benny so remember how in your book you were talking about that you have, that you love to just find wonderful things and that you that you have yard sales. Well, maybe now you could sell them, sell your things. I do. Yeah. You know, I do that. For a while I was selling, you know, any actor writer needs another income bringing profession mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's very it's very unusual for somebody to be to, to live totally on their acting and writing mm-hmm. it's not an easy thing to do so we've always had other business Benny was a rare books dealer for a oh, while cool. and I did vintage fashion and I sold I even sold to um, Mad Men when you watch Mad Men some of those necklaces and and addresses were from my collection because I love the treasure I love going out weekends to yard sales and thrift stores and find treasures to me it's a wonderful antidote to what i usually do which is sit at the computer all day long right. have you ever written for a tv show no no you I easily haven't. could i just for... i don't know if i could i could do dialogue i don't know if i could do plot mm-hmm. i can i can come up with funny lines but i think plotting is a whole other thing mm-hmm. i have a lot of friends that do i'm mm-hmm. friendly with a lot but a then lot you, of you're a punch-up woman you, that you, I could do you, you make something funny it's, yeah. it's what I do in my own writing I will write a piece let's say I'm working on it the kind of essays I write are like two and a half pages long mm-hmm. right 1200 words mm-hmm. I get all the information down I get down the bones of the piece and then one day I get up and I say okay today I got to go back and make it funny and find out where the funny moments are it's a de- it's a deliberate part of my work well, your skill shows up in your book. Oh, it's yeah. really wonderful. And it's it's the opposite of what your TikTok is, which is really funny in the fewest possible words. Your book is a little more uh, verbal, and it's really fun. 
and I can plumb the depths a little more yeah. in the book. And you travel around the world, and you, you give know. your observations about uh, all aspects of life, and you give very strong opinions, I which love are this. fun to read, whether you agree with them or not. One of, one of your strong opinions that really delighted me was when you, you make this keen observation that journalists have a collective shock when lower income folks can live oh, in a tidy home. So give us an example right. of that observation. My neat and tidy thing. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Just, just love so that. Because it's I'm glad you noticed that. It's so you know, your you know, your view is that it's very condescending for people to assume that because you don't have a ton of money, you don't enjoy living in squalor. Right. The killer's family lived in a neatly kept home and then and then but they talk about it. Also, people of color. Maya Angelou lives in an immaculate. Why wouldn't Maya Angelou's home be immaculate? <laughs> what That's did they so expect? Funny. She's a queen. I mean, it's so yeah. It, it and those are the types of observations that are throughout the book where you go, I, you know, she's. I never noticed, but she's right. <laughs> yeah. You live. You live in on the west side, right in the Fairfax area. Is that called the West Side? I no, know. I don't know. Whatever, it's over there, over there, just the between, somewhere the between here and the ocean. Mid yeah. Wilshire. Yeah. So yeah, we have a Gelson's in Studio City. Oh, okay. And right next to Gelson's in Studio City is an overpass that is one of the most densely populated homeless encampments. Oh my God! And I took a picture of this and sent it to my son. I I, I can't find it now because I don't have my phone with me. But there was a guy who. Um, I don't know it was a guy, I'm assuming it was a guy, had his little homeless encampment so beautifully appointed. He had a bookshelf, and he had plants, and he had books, and he had tchotchkes on it, no. and he had his little tent, and everything no. was arranged, and he had, a, he had a, a welcome mat in front of his tent, and I thought, you will, you will survive and make do with what life presents you. That's and I amazing. Thought, and I sent it to him, and it was just such a shock. But, but it, it goes to what you say. It's very condescending to think that people can't that's amazing. Those. That's yeah. very moving. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think anywhere where people can dream about the home they'd love to inhabit, they want it to. They want. They know that the most important thing is to be feel embraced by your home. You know, I I have a. I talk about happiness sometimes because mm -hmm. people because that's what everybody wants. Mm -hmm. How do you get happy? What yes. makes you happy? Mm -hmm. And that's one of my things. I say happiness is a comfortable home, interesting work fun people to work to to hang out with and spaghetti a lot of spaghetti that's the thing but now i see they're doing scientific studies about loneliness that loneliness is a major health crisis in this country mm -hmm. well do you think that people you know because you're on tiktok and i know that people get a lot of joy through scrolling through tiktok and feeling a connection with everything they're watching is that a substitute or is it a supplement i wonder about that for human i don't know yeah i couldn't do that it, it's a, if it's a substitute, it's not a healthy one. I no, don't I agree with you. TikTok. I see that in my children and my grandchildren. The screens. It's e it's e it's lazy and it's easier yeah. to relate through text than it is to have a eye to eye conversation. I know. No, I miss that. <laughs> I'm I'm somebody because I'm a yenta. I don't know if I have to translate that word. What I was like the name of your one person show? Huh? Oh, the, my first show was called Yenta Unplugged, my first show. But I like talking to people. I like talking to strangers. Well, you can't do it anymore because people are on their phones. So let's say, you know, you're, you're, you're on a plane. You can't talk to the person sitting next to you or you can't or you're online at the back. You're online somewhere. But why do we feel that we can't interrupt someone that, that what they're doing is so important? 
Yeah, I, I don't know. Because usually they they look up, they're so startled. If someone's on their phone and you say, hi, excuse me, where did you get those shoes? Yeah. <laughs> you know, right. They're not really open to it. They right. don't make you feel... It's like they've traveled to another universe and that you're going to be pulling them out of it. Something like that. I love the families that are having dinner out at a restaurant. There are four of them and every single person on the phone and they're not talking. (laughs) I know. Like, why did you guys leave the house? It's it's not a great thing. I mean, they're missing something. They're they're missing a, a way of connecting. What have you learned about humanity being a TikTok sensation. I mean, is there a common thread of people's reaction to what you do? Uh, You know, I I have to say, with all the ugliness in the news lately, I've had the opposite reaction. One thing, for example, and this is from from young, in my career, I've always been told that my look that I'm a character actress and basically that means I'm too Jewy looking I'm too ethnic looking that's not considered pretty even to this day if a casting call went out asking for an attractive older woman I would not be on that list I'm not what Hollywood calls attractive on the other hand these young kids now when I watch the news oh they're all this and they're anti-semites and blah, blah, blah. These young kids tell me that I'm beautiful. You are beautiful. They say it all the time. Hey, queen. Hey, beauty. Oh, I love that your hair today. I love your jewelry today. So that encourages me to think that maybe that generation is not as intolerant right. as Part of my that is generation. your spirit shining through. Huh? Part of that is your spirit shining through in your but, presentation. But it's the young people that are seeing it, not the people my age, men my age, well, we don't need Do that. Not. You're taken. Sorry, guys. She's not. <laughs> They're she's looking not for the a 35 year old. To... But let me say this, and I'm not in acting, but I do know, like, I can do a little bit of math, not a whole lot. But there's one star of a movie, and everyone else that you're watching is a character performer. So I would think that there'd be a lot more work for someone who's interesting and can and can do this part well. No, and with- I play. My looks have limited me to playing obnoxious women, and I don't mind it. It's fun. I can do it, but they're not casting me. I, why couldn't I be a judge or a lawyer or a doctor? Oh, mm-hmm. I am an educated woman. I'm a literary woman. I don't look. You like could do what a one-woman show think. about Ruth Bader Ginsburg tomorrow. I could really, and you know who played her? Some British. Oh no, what was she? Ellen I think Mirren she was from New Zealand or Australia. I don't know. The actress who played. All her. right, let's <laughs> talk about some specifics in your book, and like, and I want you to weigh in, like, in a little more detail, uh, involving your opinion on said matter. So, in your book, you say in Santa Monica. Uh, you passed a family with an adorable little girl who was wearing a T-shirt with a screaming Balenciaga logo. Yeah. Really? A toddler shilling for a fashion label? I would call that child abuse. So what is... I'm offended by that. Yeah, yeah, what's too. your take on labels and our... I, I so, never... I never... I, if, if I'm going to wear a label, i got to be paid. Right? And, and, and just the whole idea for me... To, and also, some of these labels, you have to think about the meaning of them. You know, Chanel was a Nazi collaborator and yeah. a very bad person. And, and now the Ralph Lauren thing, the polo guy, is about that big on the shirt. Really? It used to be really tiny, like this little thing. Now yeah. it's that big. I mean, I don't get it. They're I don't daring get you not labels. to wear it. I, I don't understand it. I, is, is, and <laughs> one that makes me crazy, of course, is uh, Burberry. Because they don't need a label. They have a certain look. Why would you spend $800 for a beige plaid scarf? 
It's ugly. This stuff is ugly. Mm-hmm. So what you're doing is you're wearing things to show the world that you have money. And that's not something I'm interested in. I'd rather get uh, something at a, at a thrift store that's got a little character, that's got a little style, mm-hmm. maybe something ethnic, maybe something tribal, maybe something vintage. Yeah, like it, I don't it, get it the seems, whole label it's like, thing. Because you're a creative, right? So a creative wants to say, "Hey, look what I put together." Exactly. I have an eye for the way I'd like exactly. to present myself, not just I have a pocketbook. Exactly. So what was it? There was a guy in Beverly Hills. Was it this past year who got robbed in a Beverly Hills restaurant of his watch? And his watch, I forget what the make was. It was worth five hundred thousand dollars. And I did not feel any empathy for no. him. No. If, if I had $500,000 to buy a watch, I would use it to start a foundation. There you go. To, you know, to send poor kids to college or mm-hmm. something. Why are you putting $5,000 on your wrist when huh? it could be feeding people? Duh. Hello? Mm-hmm. All right, so you... Or educate, giving, giving, you know, inmates. Scholarships. Education. Yes, give to the world. Prison because inmates. we all live here in the world. When you give to the world, you're actually giving to yourself. You live here. Let's take care of it with each other. You also say that now that you are of a certain age, if you don't want to do something, you're much more comfortable saying, no, yeah. it doesn't work for me. I know. How to, I've learned. It's taken me all my life I'm to right learn how to girl. say no. Teach young people how to start. Here's Garrett and Dina. Teach them how to start now. They don't, Well, young people want to be popular. They want to be liked. I don't give a fuck anymore. Yeah, please. You know, I've please. Got, I've, yeah. I got my friends. I got yeah. my family. No, exactly. Uh, and, and your tolerance for yes. assholes becomes very thin. <laughs> right. But I said yes to things that I knew were a mistake. I went camping. Why would I ever go camping? <laughs> and, and and I stayed at a friend's house. She lived in the country, and the, and it was a log habit. And the <laughs> we had to take a ladder to get down to our room, and the. Um, uh, the the latrine was outside. You had there was no bathroom in the house. Mm-hmm. There was no there was no ready water in the house. Why did I agree to stay in a place like that? Cool and now I I've given myself I have a line. It's the line that you you know you have to have certain lines for certain situations like seeing a friend in a play. Right. If you hate it and if you hate what they do, you just say I'm so glad I came or you did it again or mm-hmm. good, you for know, you. Know. good for you. Good for yeah. <laughs> good job. Good for you. Um, my line now when somebody proposes something that I know. I just say, you know, thanks for the offer, but I'm not really comfortable with that. That's not going to work for me. I love for it. You. That takes a lot of guts. I love that. You. I wrote a song. I played a song for my cousin, and she said, "You're having fun." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you can use that. <laughs> Let me talk about your talks. If people want to, do you still do those? The, the, the first one is "Bridge the Gap." How do I stop hating young people? And the other one is. Tales from the Mouth, Comedies of Errors. Yeah, I do these I do these programs that are just a collection of stories. So I put these stories together. So they're just they're just for fun and it's just an evening or an afternoon of stories on subjects that I designed according to who the audience is. You gotta know your audience, right? Uh, so depending on who's there, um, it might be women's issues, it might be aging issues it might be artsy stuff depending i you know i do anything i can to get myself in front of people i like speaking my own words mm. so i can come as a lecturer i do book signings now people are inviting me to do to talk about the book and and then i sign them well i there. just want to add 
You could read any page from this book and it would be delightful. And is it available on Amazon? It's still for sale, It's right? on Amazon and we have audio rights. Uh, so it's on Audible if you want to hear it. Um, it's on what's the book other thing? Book of Annie. Humor, Heart, and Chutzpah from an Accidental Influencer. It's a great title. So there's one more piece of advice I'd love for you to give to young people that's in your book. Because sometimes I think young people get a little stuck in how they are and who they are and their value within the world within the world one of your pieces of advice is that if you if you feel like you've had a falling out with somebody you should maybe reach out to this person because it wasn't as big a deal as you thought it was or as they thought it was Mm. and they may not come to you so go ahead and go to them i do i believe in mending fences Mm -hmm. and i had that in my own life where i was thought a friend was being neglectful so I crossed him off my list and then I started losing friends and I thought I better get in touch with the people that and I called he was thrilled to hear from me we went over we had a great bunch and we've been seeing each other regularly since he never knew that I was angry at him so right I say to people if you want to cheer yourself up call somebody who doesn't know you're angry at them you might get a surprise and I just love that and I think that's really that's really really important because kids do a lot of this sort of jockeying for position just because of self-preservation or forming themselves in the world I was talking to uh, a young person and I was talking about whether or not she had that feature on her text to where someone would know or that she would know that they had read her text or that someone would know what is it Dina that they would know that you can toggle it on that you would know if someone read your text yeah Yeah. so she said she has hers turned on because she wants them to know that she read it and that she's ignoring it (laughs) (laughs) that's a passive aggressive move right there it's called wow Go it's ahead. called being left on red. Being left on red, yeah. Oh, right. my God. But, all these new terms that we have. I keep yeah. learning but, all these well, new... Well, I never thought I would hear the phrase coastal grandmother on the media path said. <laughs> and what <laughs> and is your definition of coastal grandmother? No, I mean, it's, it's I'm Do sure, you know whatever what Annie is? is thinking of. It's a very yeah. Diane. It's the look of Diane Keaton in all her recent movies. It's linens. It's beige linens, white turtlenecks, natural fabrics, kind of classy. I call it crunchy yeah. hippie lady. It's like if you took, you know, that show Grace and Frankie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you combine <gasps> the styles of the two characters. It kind of, that would kind of be a little like that. Yeah. What's oh. the best television experience you've ever had? My own experience. Seinfeld. Seinfeld was great. I have to say, but you know, on a television show, it all comes from the top. Jerry is a very nice guy, mm-hmm. so everyone in the show was treated with respect and because that's the way he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was just fun. It was just fun hanging out. And there was always food on the set. There was always takeout Chinese. It was like it was like being in New York. It was a very New York kind of set. And um, you like shows that taped in front of an audience because you like an audience reaction to what you I do. Like, I like a live audience. You do yeah. have to tell the story of what happened on Oprah because that is so relatable. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, I, I got myself on Oprah in a weird way. I... I don't think you can do that anymore, but I just sent them a letter. And I said, you should do a show about ethnic men who uh, reject their own women, because I have felt a That's lot a of that in my story, life. That's a great story, That is a great because, theme. again, when I talk about Hollywood, what I'm really, or maybe I shouldn't get into that. But, but you know anyway, what I think it is? It's men who had a toxic relationship with their mother and don't want to marry her. Well, I think it's more than that. Okay. It's ambitious men. Okay. It's ambitious men who want a trophy. 
Oh, okay. And so the, the, the women from their ethnic background is not that trophy. Gotcha. Right? They want okay. Barbie. They want a little shit they want Barbie. Mm-hmm. All right. uh, and much to my amazement, they decided to do a show on that. They invited me to come. and But I have this thing about food. Since I said before, I was brought up with no money. I was brought up not to believe in waste. And... Um, and so when there's free food, I take it all. Yeah. So I, they will be first class. And in those days, I'm first class. You oh really got God. serious stuff. Linen tablecloths and so, everything. Right. And they said, you, you have your little mimosa or your champagne. And they say, well, for your hors d'oeuvre, do you want pate or caviar or smoked salmon? And I'll say, yes, yes to everything. I had that. Mm. And I had everything else. And I ate everything. And then I came to my hotel room and it was time for dinner. And I ordered all the most expensive things on the menu because I'm a pig. And I can't, and I have no control. And I got up in the morning, I had to go on the show, and I was deathly sick. I also had breakfast in the room, eggs benedict, which I hate, I never eat, but I just could not stop myself. And you know, you go to the green room, and the green room is a have a table. Oh, I know. It's a buffet. <laughs> so by the time I got out, I was so ill that it was my time to speak, I, I couldn't say anything meaningful. Well, what makes this story so great is that. The stakes were high, that you felt uncomfortable, it was Oprah, and you're still fine. Like, people can go through something harrowing that makes you kind of like your head hurt every time you remember it, and it's still okay, because it it was a lesson. It taught you, okay, maybe next time take it easy, even if it's like really difficult, but it happened, and you're fine. And and also, at the time, I had nothing to say. I didn't have a book. I didn't have a show. What was I doing? You don't go on Oprah with nothing to sell. The whole thing was a waste of time. Who else was on there with you? About turning pain into into comedy. Mm -hmm. My very painful experience then, I've been dining out on that story ever since. That's what I mean. Who who else was on there with you? Anybody else from television or Hmm? on the Oprah show? Who else was on there with you? Well, it was just representatives of different ethnic groups. So, oh, you, had, oh, 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 so oh. you had black people, you had Asian people, you had Latino people all talking about how they don't date each other, how the men don't want those women. That's oh, that so they'd interesting. Rather get a, they'd rather that marrying or dating a white woman, specifically, can we just get totally. ethnic here, totally. would be the American ideal. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And I don't know if that's I don't know if that's changed. I really don't know if hmm. that's changed. Dina, any thoughts? Dina always knows about these sorts of in, trends in, in ethnic groups. Do, right. do do the men still want Barbie? I mean, I do believe that this is something that um, the black community does discuss on platforms like TikTok, where you do hear um, black women and some black men calling out, you know, black men for mistreating black women and kind of. Mm-hmm. Seeing a white partner as a prize, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, and and kind of disrespecting you know black women in the community that way. I mean, I'll tell you something funny about that. My husband is from Denmark. Now, if you've been to Scandinavia, every woman on the street. I had I had a Puerto Rican friend who went to Copenhagen. He said even the ugly women are gorgeous. <laughs> oh my goodness. Because every woman is sunglasses. Blonde, Everybody's blue, so white. Right. I mean, they're all. They're all beauty queens. My husband thought that I was very special and exotic. He said, a blonde, why would I, why would I want a blonde? See? So everything is, what's the word I'm looking for? Perspective, your own perspective. Perspective. Coming from Scandinavia, the last thing he wanted 
was a pretty blonde, pretty little blonde girl with a cute Penny, nose you're and... a lucky man. You hit a beautiful, attractive <laughs> exotic, lady with more spirit than five people. Is, Absolutely. Can I, ask, can I ask anyone one question sure. I had for her? So I just wanted your opinion on this really quick. Um, so I've heard other creators on TikTok talk about how they don't necessarily find that having viral content or success, you know, people talk about how there could be like, you could have like a million followers and it's not necessarily gonna translate to success offline. Um, but you've been able to attain that, so I don't know if you have thoughts well, on that or advice or anything. I, I haven't done this. We had an agreement, Mackenzie and I, when we started this. We were not gonna chase after brands. I don't want my profession to be a TikTok star or I'm even embarrassed by that word, influencer. So we decided we would do our thing, we would say our truth, and whatever happens, happens. So we've never chased after, nobody on my team, but I don't really have a team, has ever gone to Krispy Kreme to say, you know, you should invent a Krispy Donut and have this woman. I mean, we if they come to us, they come to us. And sometimes they have. We've had some brands that are very cautious about who I align myself with. Some influencers get more power than they should have. And I'll give you an example of that. I work at a comedy club called The Ice House. Okay. And when uh, when uh, uh, Twitter got famous, <clears throat> some of these influencers said, well, I'm going to see if I can make some money in a comedy club. And they mention on Twitter, and they've got 2 million followers, and they sell out The Ice House in 30 minutes, and then the people come up to see a show, and there's no show. These are not performers. These are people who can talk in 15-second sound bites. Oh, wow. And they, and they bring their other influencers out there, and people are walking out because there's nothing entertaining about the but show. But the good point you're making, Fritz, is that you have to have more of a 360 package, which Annie has. Oh, no. Annie, so Annie's not it. who I'm talking about. No, 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 no but I'm like talking about the power but of this. she's the perfect person to be famous yeah. on TikTok. She already has I mean, yeah. The thing is, I really need money. I really want to make money, mm -hmm. but I, I, I also want to keep my integrity. So I do those cameo things. I get a, I get a monthly nothing from TikTok itself. In the beginning, people were making lots of money just being just from TikTok. They don't do that anymore. But um, I don't want to spend my life. How shall I say it? Exploiting this. Exploit, exploiting this influencer thing. I was happy to do the book. I wanted to write a book. I like having a book out there. Have you put that on TikTok? Oh yeah. I oh yes, I do talk about it. Well, then it. you should put your shows. You can put put your shows on TikTok as well. I would. Yeah. I don't think that. I don't think you're exploiting it. I think you're taking advantage of what you've developed, which is this beautiful right. online no, character. No, I do from time to time. If there's something going on, I let people know that something that you know comes in with with a book launch. When I had my first book reading, I did put it on TikTok. I said, "If you're in LA, blah blah blah." Uh, but um, but there are some people. You know, there are kids now. You say to the kids, little kids, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" And they'll say. I want to be an influencer. I just heard that oh, at, no. a, at a college they're teaching courses in content creating. Oh yeah, I don't get that. Yeah, when I, I, when I worked that. in the news business, I knew it was over for local news when we would get these interns from USC and Cal State Northridge, and yeah. and they'd come in and, and you know you always interview them. You say, so what, what do you want to do? And, and they say, well, I want to be, I want to anchor a newscast. I say, well, who who are your heroes? You know, Tom Brokaw. Uh, who is it? No, the guy from Access Hollywood. You know what I mean? Mario, it's a, yeah, yeah that, that, that whole yeah, thing. They, that's they, that's so what they funny. think is a news anchor. And I did that show. <laughs> I don't know. He's very sweet. Oh, no, Mario he's a nice Lopez. guy. I know Mario. Yeah. Yeah. All right. But let's... I mean, yeah. 
Let's uh, end with something positive, something uplifting. So in your book, you say um, that you all you would submit to the moth, which explain what the moth is. Well, the moth is the premier storytelling um, storytelling organization in the world. They're the, they're global. And they have storytelling shows in every city. Some of them are just small competitions called slams. Some of the big shows uh, called main stage shows. And uh, and I'm a storyteller. And they kind of knew about me. Somebody had mentioned me. And I submitted to them a couple of times a year, literally for nine years. Yeah. And when I would do a show, I would tape it, and I would send them the tape. And once in a while, I would say, yeah, not right now. This is, this is looking good. I would get maybe a little, little half an inch of encouragement, but nothing. What are the parameters? Is it length of time or number of words? or what? what, I, what are they? I don't remember. <clears throat> I mean, anybody can still submit to the moth. It just has to be a story. They're, what they say is, and what I also say is, a good story is a dramatic event that happened to you that changed your life in some way. So that's what is basically what a story is. And I kept performing and kept submitting and kept performing and kept submitting. Uh, and then I, I, I sent them what I thought was a really strong story, and I didn't hear anything. And I walked into my husband's office, and I said, I can't do this anymore. It's too painful. I know I belong there. I'm not getting any response. I'm going to stop. This is it. And I swear to God, the very next day, they call from New York. Thank you for your patience. Uh, we want to bring you on the Moth Main Stage. We want you to perform in L.A., Berkeley, St. Louis, and Boston. We want you on the radio show. We want you on the podcast, on the on the on the website, and probably want to include you in your book. And then a while after, and now and now I've been friends with them since then, and they've just started again developing a new story, which I'm also going to tour with them. And at one point, I did say to somebody, what took so long? And they said, you got better. And so I, what I want to say to people is that failing is a great learning opportunity. Mm -hmm. That all those years, every time I performed, I went home and studied what I did wrong and how to make it better. So, so there are overnight successes. I was not one of them. <laughs> it, and I think most people aren't. And what it means is if you want to do something, you keep doing it until you get it right. So you, do they have a road show where you and three or four other storytellers go out and they take your city to city? Yeah, That's it's cool. not a show. It's individual. We just did Portland, and I don't know what the rest of the schedule is. And it won't be the same people on every mm -hmm. show. I think they should film it in black and white and put it on HBO next to Smartless on the Road. <laughs> I would watch that show. Yeah, they're very resistant to that. All they, right, where should where should people go to check you out if they don't have TikTok yet? Oh, where I else? have a website. It's just me. It's just AnnieCorson.com. I try to keep it up to date. Yeah, and and also they can they can reach me from there because they can send an email. From the website. Okay, great. Uh, but that's it. I mean, I'm on Instagram. I don't know how to use it. I don't understand Instagram. <laughs> Why both. do people want to look at pictures? But anyone can go to Amazon. And, yes. And is there an audible book of, of this that you read? Yes. So there's and everything the you need on Amazon to read this book. I highly, highly, highly. This is one of my favorite books of the year. I know it's only January, <laughs> but I'm going to keep, I'm going to stick to that. 
uh, in December. I'm still going to be telling you in December, this is one of my favorite books of the year. All right. Here come your closing credits. Thank you so much for joining us. We would love to continue this conversation with you on Instagram and Twitter. Where we are at Media Path Pod and on Facebook where our show page is Media Path Podcast and our Facebook group is Media Path with Fritz and Wheezy Podcast Community. You can find full video podcast episodes loaded with extra bonus visual content on our YouTube channel, Media Path Podcast. You can write to us at mediapathpodcast at gmail.com. And if you enjoy this show, please give us a nice rating wherever you get your podcast and talk about us, if you would, on social media or on the TikTok, if you've got it. You can sign up for our spicy newsletter at mediapathpodcast.com. We want to thank our wonderful guest, Annie Corzin. Our team includes producer Dina Friedman, John Maddox, Bill Filipiak, Thomas Hubble, Mason Brown, Garrett Arch, Chris Baldwin, Jordan Reyes, and you. Our theme music is by me and John Maddox. I am Louise Planker, here with Fritz Coleman and Annie Corzin. Be well and wise, and we will see you along the media path. Did you enjoy it? I love the look. I want to ask you something.